Body of Proof My body tells a story that will make you cringe. It's a story of a slave, a country, and a race. That for a lifetime of beatings, floggings, abuse, and whippings have marked every part of my body, like trails in a mountain. And now all come together to tell you the story of my life. My body is proof of man's tyranny and cruelty. It recorded every abuse my body and my soul suffer at the hands of another human being that did not accept, could not accept, refused to accept my own humanity, but instead saw me as nothing, considered me inferior, an object to be used, abuse, punish, and kill. By being born, anyone is born a human, but my body is proof that for my people, that is not so. Instead, we have to fight and suffer our entire life just to claim our God-given right to be human. I was born a slave, not by divine origin, because under God, men are created equal, but by the will of those that seeking fortunes had the power to create a system that allowed their tainted souls to enslave their fellow men under the pretense of superiority for the sake of riches. My name, Boston, is my birthplace. It was a name given to me by the master Nathaniel Clark. He is the man that raised himself above God by force and whips to own, to control, to master over my life. As a slave, one is born fighting, lives fighting, and dies fighting. Try and try I did to run, to free myself from bondage, but I was beat and whipped until I could not think it anymore. My own body and mind refuse, dreading punishment. But against it all, I always fought. And the suffering never stopped, neither the pain. Those that caused my birth, I never met. They were sold off as soon as I was born. I am a child of the fields. My earliest memories are of those cotton fields. The blisters, the bloody fingers, and the permanent blood-colored nails have been a companion my entire life. From the age of four or five, I was taken to the fields. I was left there to pick cotton. I fared better than others, for my height was barely the height of the cotton plants. Even at that age, I understood that this was not right. When I saw them and the way they lived, and that they were just like us, I knew this was not what God intended. I hated church because we were taught to be good slaves, to slay for our master and obey as one would obey God. But how can a man be the same as God? How can a man have the right to treat others as less than men? For my refusal, my stubbornness, I was beaten. Seeing that I was quick on my feet, the master resolved the problem by breaking my knees. At nine, I ran away, but a kid, doesn't fare well out there. So when I was brought back after the whippings and the punishments and loosened an ear, I was sold off. At the age of nine, I was branded a runaway slave. So the master was not able to place a high price for my young life. I was sent to work for Benjamin Cole. He was as cruel and ruthless as they come. Through daily floggings I learned at my young age to quiet my mouth and instead raise the voice inside of me. 
And then after years of working the fields, my back broken from the picking and the beatings discharged by the overseers, I assimilated into the daily hardships of a slave. At 17, I ran away again, hoping to reach one of those Moses boats, but once by the river, I was caught. A dog trampled my escape. Turns out the master had offered $10 for my capture and return. I was brought back, but as punishment, the bite was never tended to. An infection ensued. To his delight, the master had the butcher cut my leg out. No longer able to run, I put together a wooden leg to support my body as I pick cotton every day. Years after, I requested the master to marry Phyllis, to which he gave permission. The night before we were to be together, he took her, raped her, and sent her back. From that day on, she moved into my shack. We made a pact to never have children. We refused to give the master slaves to sell. We were happy, my Phyllis and I, and for a moment my mind did not dwell in escaping. But we kept fighting. We both chewed on cotton roots and okra to avoid bringing children slaves. Until one day my Phyllis was taken to the master. He raped her again. His way to send a reminder that Phyllis was just not another object and never truly my wife. From this my Phyllis became a child. And although we kept it secret, the moment came when we couldn't hide it. The day my Phyllis gave birth, the master sent for the babe and we never saw her again. Rumors are that he sold her off. That is at least the hope. Once the master demanded that we bear children, after refusing time and time again, the punishment was beatings to the head that left me deaf on one ear. Under threat, we had a year to bear children or Phyllis would be sold off. We stopped chewing and finally were able to conceive a boy. My boy was beautiful. He was strong. He came out of the womb fighting. Little Abraham was a blessing in a desert of desperation. Phyllis had to carry him on her back out in the dredging weather, nursing him in the fields. At five, he was picking cotton. You will never know how it feels to see your own offspring working tirelessly sunrise and into the night without giving him much needed rest or care. My boy raised himself. His mother and father were working alongside and never had the time to be parents to him. If he had only seen him, at ten he was a strong, beautiful boy. That's when the master branded him. He got the shivers and fevers and dragged his body in the fields for days. I hope you never have to see your son as a slave. I hope you never have to endure your son's suffering and being beaten in front of you with his eyes wet from the tears and his cries full of pain. After that, many times the master requested and many times we chewed on the roots. But once the master caught on, he decided to send my Phyllis away and I spent a day hanging by my hands for fighting it. She came back pregnant and again she gave birth to our to our girl Betty. The day she was born I cried. I cried for I knew what would be her future. I cried for all the suffering and cruelty she was born into. A man can take the beatings can take the froggings. 
but women take the brunt of the abuse. They are considered Jezebels and are treated as such. They are raped time and time again, not only by the master, but also by others. They are forced to childbearing because the masters are intended on boosting their slaves any way they can. My heart truly broke that day. My boy Abraham was sold. The day he was taken to the market, he did not cry. He did not beg. He did not plea. He looked at me from the cage until our eyes lost sight of each other. I heard later that he fetched the most money anyone else has ever paid for a slave. $2,500. That was the last time I saw him. My dear Betty was taken to the master's house to help with the children at seven years old. There she learned the house chores. I was glad to see my Betty once a week. But soon she was given away to the master's older son, so she was sent away. My Betty. I never saw her after that. The master was truly heartless. He refused to tell me where or how my little Betty was. I once begged him for information, but instead broke his cane on my back. Time after, my Phyllis and I had another boy, Cyrus. He, too, took on the picking very soon. At six, he was picking full bags of cotton that he couldn't even carry himself. He would drag them down behind him. He, however, had my fighting spirit and soon found himself on the other side of the overseer's whip. Cyrus, like a wild horse, did not bore his bondage willingly, and time after time received beatings and punishments. There is something about defying a man that demands punishment and the breaking of the human inside the slave. But even against the beatings, forced labor, burnings and floggings, my Cyrus was relentless through all of it. One day as the overseer was beating me for my slowness due to an illness, my Cyrus came to my aid, and defending me, he hit the overseer. My Cyrus ran. He ran for his life into the woods, but soon enough, I heard the shot. My Cyrus was then dragged like a dead animal to show everyone what happens when a slave pretends to be more. After that, my Phyllis and I never again had children. We refused to bring children to a world that refuses to recognize their humanity. Time after time we paid our rebellion with beatings and whippings, hunger and cold. But time after time we chewed on the roots and refused to enrich the master by our suffering. Eventually my Phyllis died. She died a slave. In her eyes I could see her suffering. Poor Phyllis. I will never know the pain of losing children. And for that I fail her. Needless to say, I never saw my children again, and I, like millions of others, went off to the grave demanding, longing, fighting for liberty. There were rumors of a war brewing in the north, but those were as good as fairy tales, and we couldn't allow ourselves to believe them. Our world was as real as a scar in our branded skin that sentenced us to a life of servitude and indignity. The dark void of desperation is the reality in which we have been forced into, for we were not born into the world. We were born into a hellish reality made by those willing to sell their souls for riches. 
a reality where human cruelty saturates every moment of your life, where the simple act of living and breeding is painful, a life without happiness or joy. For a slave cannot enjoy the life that it's not his, because his humanity is destroyed, and that part of the human which is essential to the enjoyment and happiness is completely ripped out. For hope makes slaving that much more painful. There's one thing a slave learns after a lifetime, something no man should never have to learn. That is to live in an absolute absence of hope. That place is where death is staring you in the face every moment of your long unbearable life, beating you as she drags you into the darkness of non-existence. To assimilate humans into slaves is the most evil act a man can impose on another. Lord, can you see our suffering? Lord, counter deeds, sum them up like the sands of the deserts, and the deserts of their actions do not bless, do not remove from them the guilt, do not forgive their transgressions, for they acted and are acting willingly. Let our tears fill the rivers of justice that is reserved for those who by their hand were made into human slaves. Even the present can attest, even now, the worst one said, the past is never dead, it's not even past.